MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020. Today, a discussion with a former federal prosecutor from D.C. about the legality of the Trump administration attacking citizens. Proof the Department of Homeland Security knew it was white supremacist groups behind violence during the protests. Arrest warrants have been issued for six Atlanta cops. The churches Trump has visited in the last 24 hours for photo ops condemn his actions. Lawmakers began a bipartisan push to demilitarize police. A new study shows definitively that face masks and social distancing make a significant difference. The Department of Justice files its response to block the release of the Mueller grand jury materials. And Twitter flags a Matt Gates tweet for inciting violence. I'm your host, AG, and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. Hello. Sorry about the the Tascam situation, everybody. Yeah, the Tascam situation, what that is, is we are talking to Jordan remotely by phone. She's in Fullerton, and uh, her rig uh, took, took a took a break, I guess. It couldn't, yes, it did. Couldn't handle what was happening. So uh, that is that is what's going on with the sound today. I thought it was very important we have Jordan on the show so she can bring you some updates. Um, how are you? How are you holding up? I'm doing well. I'm yeah, like you said, I'm up in Fullerton visiting my little sister, and uh, there's no protests going down here that I've seen. And then there's a curfew though that she was saying. I think that's just around like most of Orange County. But listeners, please correct me, especially if you if you're in Fullerton. Uh, but I'm doing yeah, okay. Just observing Blackout Tuesday, you know, with you and everybody else, and. It's been cool. Friends have been, like, talking to each other in threads, trying to share resources on, like, where to donate and effective things to do right now and to keep doing. So that's been, it's been very cool seeing and participating in sustained efforts right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, And just so everybody knows, Blackout Tuesday, uh, we released our episode early last night uh, before midnight Pacific time. We'll release this one. Um after you're, you're, you won't be affected basically um you'll get your episodes when you normally get your episodes you just got yesterday's early instead of on tuesday june 2nd uh, because we are observing blackout tuesday in solidarity with those protesting the murder of george floyd and uh you know we've been we've uh, you know our social media accounts we haven't been expressing our own opinions we've just been amplifying black voices uh and so that's that's what today is about and uh we appreciate you know you um i appreciate the opportunity to do this and all of our revenue from downloads today is going to go to um bail funds for protesters so that is uh, something else that we're doing um as part of blackout tuesday so thank you for for joining us and uh we appreciate you listening um and we do have a lot of news to get to today, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, Jordan, what updates do you have for us today? I'm going to cover some quick COVID headlines, but, you know, there's uh, important stuff, other, other important stuff going on, and I wanted you to give us those updates. Thank you. Um, I would love to. Really quick, before I forget, an addendum to the good news segment. Yesterday, we were talking about... Um, One of our patrons had sent in good news saying that their Venmo was getting flooded with money to start uh, donating or to continue donating food to food banks. I have a quick addendum to that. We had tried to get the Venmo, and they answered. The Venmo is Emilia, E-M-I-L-I-A dash L-U-C-I-A-N-O. Luciano? Great. So it's Amelia hyphen Luciano or Luciano. Yes. Yes. Um, and they said that the the food banks are starting to refuse donations and now they're asking for donations of skincare products, I think hair products, adult diapers, etc. But uh, but yeah, they asked us to keep it going and I wanted to give you all that Venmo. And awesome. thank you. Yes. yes thank so, you for that. Totally. Thank you so much to the good news block for that. 
Okay, my first story is coming out of this. This has been a massive headline over the last 24 hours. There's a Twitter account claiming to belong to an Antifa organization and pushing out real looting and violent rhetoric has now officially been linked to the white nationalist group Identity Evropa. Is that how you say that? It's E-V-R-O-P-A. I think it's Europa with the V as a U. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so too, but why? why? Anyways, that group, um, they, yeah, so essentially this is, this is a confirmation of what many people know to be true, which is that a lot of the folks that are stirring up violence and looting are people that are at some points posing as Antifa people going into these protests physically and stirring shit up, or they're promoting shit like this on social media. Um, the tweet said, Tonight's the night, comrades. Tonight we say fuck the city and we move into the residential areas, the white hoods, and we take what's ours. So that's a blatant call to incite mayhem and violence and looting, and now it's connected to a uh, white supremacist account. And again, this isn't to say that you know these acts are ever happening by people who are maybe legitimately anti-fascist or, or, you know, Antifa is kind of such like a weird umbrella term sort of because it's not like it's a certain group. It just literally stands for anti-fascist. But not to say that those people, you know, don't exist anywhere, but it does confirm that there are white supremacist groups yeah, that are trying to infiltrate that space. Anything that Donald Trump repeats more than three times is definitely a lie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you know, too, Donald Trump Jr. just so happened, you know, to like get a hold of this tweet and retweet it saying how predictable and like awful it is and whatever. And I haven't looked at the numbers of the engagement on the tweet itself. You know, it's very probable when shit goes viral. He just saw it. But I couldn't help but think, is this just a coincidence that that the white supremacist group that did this and made this tweet and made its way into the social media hands of Trump Jr. Did he just organically see it, or was it sent to him? And there's some kind of amplification channels that maybe, I'm not trying to sound conspiracy theory at all, but I think that that's plausible. They make shit up and spread it all the time. So I wouldn't be surprised if if someone sent it to him and he had zero issues amplifying that. Of course, they're not going to look into any sort of confirmation of the identity behind the account because it fits this narrative that they're trying to push so yeah and we have a a great interview uh coming up in the next block with natasha bertrand she has an incredible scoop where they actually got their hands on a department of homeland security memo saying that these are white supremacist groups that are going to be uh you know warning um police stations and and uh and folks nationwide governors nationwide that that it's white supremacist groups that are doing this and um just breaking right now uh from jason leopold at buzzfeed the 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 dea which was mobilized last night along with u.s marshals and uh the army the dea has just been authorized to conduct surveillance on protesters the justice department gave the agency the temporary power to enforce any federal crime committed as a result of the protests over the death of George Floyd. And so, yeah, the DOJ has new sweeping authority to conduct covert surveillance against Americans and collect intelligence on people participating in the protests. That's according to a two-page memo that BuzzFeed got a hold of. So people are mad and people are leaking this stuff to the press. And it, yeah, it's. I think it's just this swell of... I mean, we're just at this tipping point... And um, and all this stuff is starting to come out. So, yeah. Well, I hope to see a thorough investigation into the acts that are resulting in people dying at the hands of police officers mm-hmm. right now, which has already happened in Kentucky. Yep. Um, my next story is also Twitter related. Matt Gates <laughs> he put out a real fucked up tweet, and it got flagged by Twitter. Also, they left it up, but you just couldn't retweet it or amplify it in any way or, like, like it or anything, but they, but they still left it up for people to see. 
but he wrote after you know that last tweet that I was talking about from the alleged Antifa organization was amplified by conservative voices, he wrote a tweet that said, now that we clearly see Antifa as terrorists, can we hunt them down like we do those in the Middle East? Mm. Yeah, and I, I can't th- think... I can't Sorry. think of a way you... No, it's okay. Really quick. I just can't think of a way you could pack in more hatred, violence, bigotry into one tweet. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that you could in, in, in such... In, in that few, you know, that, that amount of words, you know? Yeah. I mean, he, he squeezes Islamophobia in there. Mm-hmm. His, his economy of hate is very efficient in this tweet. Yeah. yeah. He's hate, inciting people. Hate, hate economics, right? How do we hate more than most people in the fewest amount of words? Yeah. I mean, he's literally calling on people to, to kill, like, people that anybody, I guess, would associate with the radical left, which arguably, you know... I don't know. If you're someone that's trying to find a reason to fuck someone up and your representative just said, go get him. Like, huh. it's fucking insane. The tweet was reported more than 12,000 times before it got taken <laughs> yeah, into we, the hands of Twitter. We retweeted a, a picture of the tweet. We didn't want to amplify it. Um, and, and, you know, just we reported this, report it too. So uh, I got to hand it to, I know a good chunk of our listeners uh, had, had a hand in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, and my final story, coming out of Congress. So Republicans and Democrats are apparently working together to try to shut down this Pentagon, Pentagon, Pentagon program that basically transfers military weaponry over to local law enforcement departments, which is largely seen as one of the big ways that excessive force winds up being upheld, supported, promoted, used. And it's something that a lot of people have been working on for a long time. Senator Brian Schatz, he's from Hawaii, he's been trying to limit the transfer of military-grade equipment to police departments for a long time, and he announced that he's going to move to include an amendment in this annual defense policy bill to shut down that program that allows for that transfer of weaponry to local departments entirely. He said, it is clear that many police departments are being outfitted as if they are going to war, and it is not working in terms of maintaining the peace. This is not the only thing we need to do, but as our country sees these images on television that remind us of some countries far, far away, it's time to recalibrate this program. Just because the Department of Defense's excess weaponry doesn't mean it will be put to good use. And then where the Republicans come in, uh, Rand Paul's chief strategist, Doug Stafford, he responded on Sunday to that idea and said, we've, we've been doing this one for years. Happy to help. Uh, he wrote that on Twitter. And Rand has also been a proponent of the demilitarization of local police um, and previously teamed with Brian, Mr. Schatz, uh, to reform that program. So this is coming, you know, on the heels of so many instances across the country right now where police departments are deploying weapons that just do not match the scale at all of what's happening against protesters. Hmm. There are entirely peaceful protesters and journalists that are getting the shit kicked out of them, that are getting rubber bullets shot into their necks, that are getting tear gassed, and that's without the additional weapons that would come from the Pentagon. And it's a program that Obama pretty much like after Ferguson, I don't I don't know if you remember, but there were those images that came out of these like massive military looking armed police units, basically like these armored vehicles. And Obama put limits on that program largely after, you know, public outcry after those photos back in 2015 Mm -hmm. and it restricted the transfer of those weapons including battering rams and explosives as well um so but then trump rescinded those restrictions in 2017 
and he opened the flow of equipment to local departments again. And he argued the gear was necessary for officers to protect themselves and their communities. Yeah, and when he can't get the uh, local police uh, or the state police to do what he wants, he has the federals, the fe- the federal police come in uh, and do it, which is what happened last night uh, in Lafayette Park. Uh, that was the park service police, the, the park police, um, federal cops, who are now denying that they tear gassed and shot rubber bullets into the crowd. We saw it on video. Um, and of course, you know, I sent you the story that, you know, Democrats in Congress were drafting a resolution to condemn the president's actions yesterday where he, you know, hit Bill Barr ordered, you know, them to clear out the square so that Trump could walk across the street and burn his hands on a Bible for two seconds. Um, and so Congress wanted to condemn the actions and they wanted to do it with unanimous consent and Mitch McConnell blocked it. So that's just where we're at. Uh, all the all the Republicans are sorry. All the Republicans are very concerned, Susan Collins style, you know, or they say that they didn't see what happened and they didn't know and they hadn't heard about it. Yep. Romney, I think I saw a, a wussy quote from him like that. Yeah. Of all people. Right. Yeah. God damn it, Romney. You were so close to kind of digging your way out of the, the shit sink sand. What is that thing called? Uh, what is that? What is that sand? Quicksand. <laughs> the quick shit sand. The shit sink sand. <laughs> yeah, he almost looked like he was going to get out, but alas, the Republican <laughs> shit quicksand yeah. strikes again. He's it's uh, impossible to get out. He was taken by the swamp of sadness. Um, yep. We will not mourn his loss. Um, yeah. At least not like we did with uh, our taxes uh, in Never Ending Story, but... All right. Well, thank you for for those updates, man. Yeah, yeah, totally. I also just had a random personal anecdote. So, like one of one of the actions that's being promoted right now by a lot of like chapters, just the various, you know, like I don't want to say BLM specifically because I can't recall if their account specifically said this, but just organizing groups. One of the actions that they're calling for for allies to do is to like call your local police departments and demand and mayor offices and demand that they release protesters that have been arrested. And I called and I talked to someone that worked at the jail and she told me, at least in San Diego, and who knows if this is true, but she said that you're better off trying to call the sheriff's department directly and email them directly because she said the jails are more like a middleman and can't really can't really do anything, but also the sheriffs control all of the police departments. So instead of going to like a specific police department, unless you're trying to get someone out specifically or you have like inquiries or you know that there's a certain PD, I mean, I guess people would know that. Either, either way, if you're trying to do more of an umbrella reaching thing, you can just contact your sheriff's department directly and fucking hopefully they read it or they answer your calls. I don't honestly know, but just... It was interesting talking to her because she was saying that, number one, we're the middleman, and number two, which I understood obviously on the arresting front, but on the releasing part and stuff, I guess it's all still operated by the same people that put them in, which would make sense. But um, then there's also, she said, a thing where even if people are getting arrested, most of them, she told me, are getting released with just a notice to appear because of the COVID-19. They've like really upped the threshold for what it requires for someone to be processed, but I don't know if that's just a case of the jail that she was talking about or if that's, like, just something that she's saying. <laughs> she sounded sincere about it, but I just thought that was all interesting information. Yeah, thanks. And, I mean, you know, whatever the context or the content of the conversation is that you have with the sheriff's office or your local police precinct, that you call is, I think, the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, thank you. Thank you for that. And... um you know, we'll keep you posted as these stories unfold. Some quick COVID headlines. There's a new extensive study out from The Lancet that has found that wearing a mask reduces the chance of infection by 85% and social distancing reduces it by 82%. So any douchebags in your timeline or in your family say masks don't work, you can forward them this new study, extensive study, peer-reviewed study from The Lancet. 
And the Treasury official running the bailout program, the, you know, has been personally profiting from it. His name is Justin Muzinich, and he's the Deputy Treasury Secretary. And according to ProPublica, he still has ties to his investment firm, which is a major beneficiary of the Treasury's bailout actions. His company, um, which is called Muzinich & Co., uh, which he, quote-unquote, divested in, uh, when he a year after he was appointed to his position, uh, he divested, by the way, by giving his shares to his dad. Uh, and this company manages $38 billion in junk bonds. And since the Fed's actions in late March, Muzinich and Co. has reversed billions in losses. Um, and uh, Dr. Fauci says he hasn't met with Trump in over two weeks. The last interaction they had was May 18th. We are almost at 2 million infected, over 105,000 dead. The curve is starting to go up again. And be prepared for Trump to blame the new spike on the protests and not on the fact that, you know, we reopened America several weeks ago in most places. And, you know, he's also threatening governors who he was threatening governors who didn't reopen by withholding federal funding. And that's been going on for a month now. We should start to see that uptick in hospitalizations. We are now and it should be increasing over the next two weeks. Don't. And I know I'm just preaching to the choir here, but it's, you know, that, yes, these protests aren't going to help, obviously, but they're not the cause. They're not the instigation of the of the curve continuing to rise. So those are some quick COVID updates. We'll be right back with a bombshell scoop from Natasha Bertrand at Politico. Like I said earlier, she obtained a Department of Homeland Security memo admitting who is at least in part behind the violence being condemned by the protesters. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something that's interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Do you have a lot of anxiety um, during the lockdown, during what's going on outside? Uh, BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is certified professional counseling done securely online. Uh, and everybody needs help from time to time. I've sought help for my PTSD, which has been hugely beneficial. So I highly recommend seeking help when you need it. And BetterHelp's services are available for clients worldwide with a broad range of expertise in their counselor network. Um, some experts that, you know, might not be locally physically available in your area. But you can log into your account anytime, send a message to your counselor, and you get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so it's easy and free to change your counselor if you want to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is avail available. So visit their website and read their testimonials, like this one um, from K.E., who reviewed her counselor, Joyce Walker Rovira, saying, It didn't take her very long to be able to give me a totally fresh and honest perspective, as if she was a close friend for many years. She really makes you feel heard and offers ways to help uh, with what's really going on. I would recommend her to anyone. So visit betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. You'll get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today is national security correspondent for Politico, Natasha Bertrand. Natasha, thanks for speaking with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I wanted to uh, talk to you today about uh, a piece that you worked on for Politico because, we, you know, we've been hearing Trump every time he speaks uh, about the violence and looting in the protests. Uh, he keeps calling out far left organizations like Antifa. And uh, you can kind of tell when Trump is trying to make a make something untrue stick in the ears or at least questionable stick in the ears of his base. He just repeats it over and over again. Uh, he, so he's repeated this over and over again in every public statement. But you all obtained a memo from the Department of Homeland Security dated May 29th. Can you tell us what you found in that memo? Yeah, so this was essentially a memo that DHS sent out to law enforcement officials around the country warning that extremists could, on both sides, on the far left and the far right, could try to co-opt the protests and, and incite violence. And two things that they mentioned in the memo specifically really jumped out at us. One thing was that on May 27th, just two days after George Floyd's death, there was a white supremacist extremist telegram channel, which is fairly large, that incited followers to engage in violence and start 
what is called the boogaloo, which is a term that is used by violent extremists in the far right to refer essentially to the start of a second civil war, um, most commonly a race war. Um, and what these white supremacists had urged their followers to do was to shoot into the crowd, allegedly, according to this memo, and blame the violence on the black protesters to try to essentially incite a civil war. Um, so that was really jarring to see that DHS was actually warning law enforcement officials around the country about the threat of white supremacist and far-right violence, because, of course, that's not what we've been hearing from the administration, right? We've been hearing a very singular, one-sided view of the threat posed by extremists, which is that the violence is primarily coming from Antifa. Now, that is a far-left um I can't even really call it a group because it's not truly an organization. It's kind of just an amorphous ideology. But we have been told that they are primarily responsible for for much of the chaos that's that's been going on over the last week. But whenever we ask DOJ, FBI for data or statistics on that issue, we're told that they don't yet have any evidence to provide us um, that they're working on it. So seeing this was just kind of a wake-up call to the extent that clearly the FBI and DHS are monitoring the threat of far-right extremists, including militias, um, and we're just not being told about it. The other thing that, that this memo said was that um, suspected anarchist extremists, which are understood to be far left and militia extremists, which are understood to be far right, were planning to storm and burn down the Minnesota state capitol on May 29th, which was last Friday. Um, and that was the DHS citing FBI information. So clearly the threat is coming from both sides here, the threat they're monitoring anyway, and we're only being told half the picture if that. So regarding the the, the boogaloo, that the, the thing that stood out to you, you know, one of the things that stood out to you at first, did did Department of Homeland Security say they got that intel from the FBI as well. Did it? Did they say that where they where they ended up getting that intel from? So that was actually DHS reporting, and DHS had essentially been, I guess, monitoring this this uh, this white supremacist channel. In the footnote of the DHS memo, they they cite for their intelligence on this matter, an extremist encrypted instant messaging channel, um, which we take to mean Telegram. And a lot of Telegram channels are, of course, public. Um, so what immediately came to our minds when we read that is that either this was flagged to them or they are actively monitoring these channels. It's my understanding from talking to sources that they are indeed paying attention to these white supremacist networks, and they are trying to tell law enforcement officials around the country that this is something they need to be on the lookout for. Okay, so what it seems like here is that we do have at least some evidence or ancillary intelligence that uh, that there are white supremacist groups that are involved in uh, a lot of this violence, um, or at least trying to co-opt the peaceful protests, but we still don't have evidence, or have we seen any evidence about far-left groups? The only evidence that we've seen... Um, according to this DHS memo, is that far-left groups that are anarchists were plotting in some way, along with extremists, militias, um, probably separately, to storm the Minnesota state capitol. So that is the one instance where this DHS memo that we obtained raised an alarm specifically about a real threat that they had gleaned about anarchist groups. Now, the DHS memo does not reference left or right. It doesn't characterize the groups that way. It doesn't mention Antifa. It doesn't mention, um, you know, far-right groups by specific names. It calls them anarchists, and it refers to the far-right as militias, white supremacists, etc. Um, but again, as of right now, we've been asking DOJ and FBI for data, for statistics on the, 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 the claims that Bill Barr and others have been making that the, the primary source of this looting and the rioting and the chaos over the last week has been coming from Antifa and we've gotten no evidence so far. Yeah, it would be good to, you know, just to have the evidence. I mean, you know, a lot of, you know, of course we are a partisan podcast and, uh, you know, but we still want to know the truth behind these things. And so, first of all, excellent scoop on this, um, getting that memo. Uh, but I, I am also looking forward to being able, them being able to present some sort of evidence that 
you know, this is a, a, a both-sided situation at least. Um, but, I, you know, I think the general feeling is is that anyone uh, co-opting these these peaceful protests is is bad for for you know for the sake of violence or disruption and uh, you know I know New York Times put out some reporting back in March and of course we've, it's in the Mueller report that you know um, there's outside foreign influences trying to co-opt a lot of this as well um, specifically Russia in the Mueller report but I mean transparency and the truth is probably all we're trying to get at you know yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's it's also worth flagging that NBC report that came out on Monday night saying that there were Antifa Twitter accounts and social media pages that were actually being run by white nationalists um, trying to essentially frame uh, Antifa for inflammatory posts that were going viral and um, talking about attacking black people and attacking, you know, neighborhoods uh, around the country and taking back what's there quote unquote. So there's there's a lot of disinformation and misinformation out there and none of this is becoming any clearer um, as the administration comes out and talks to us about this stuff because they're clearly only trying to show one side of the picture here. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I, I was willing to bet money that <laughs> Brad Parscale uh, might have had a hand in that um, op. But that's just my own personal bias speaking from the past history of knowing what Brad Parscale is capable of uh, with Project Veritas. But what can we do uh, as citizens to ensure that we're being uh, skeptical about this information that's coming out? What can, what what should we be looking out for? Yeah, I think that, you know, just following trusted journalists and making sure that we aren't just looking at one side of the picture here in any way, just trying to seek out more information, going to the, you know, safely if possible, going to see it with our own eyes, seeing that, you know, for example, last night outside the White House, the protests were in fact peaceful and, you know, in total contrast to what we heard from the administration, um, interviewing protesters where possible, speaking to them, talking to them about why they're coming out. I mean, just, just being kind of good, um, you know, news consumers as well can go a long way because right now there's there's a ton of disinformation online and videos can be manipulated, videos can recirculate that are actually very old. So it's important to just fact check everything that you see for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for um, talking to us about this. Congratulations on the scoop. This is amazing. It's an incredible story. We'll keep trying to amplify it and uh, keep us posted on any future developments. Will you? Thanks so much. Will do. All right, everybody, Politico National Security Correspondent Natasha Bertrand. Natasha, thanks again for speaking with us today. Thank you. Everybody, stick around. Right after this break, I'll be talking to Glenn Kirshner about the legal uh, ramifications of what Trump did last night. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, this is AG, and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunsoil CBD. From lattes to dog treats, CBD is popping up in everything, but it's really confusing. It's complicated um, trying to figure out how to dose, where, where do you start, how can you tell what's good, what's clean, what's not, and even more importantly, who can you trust? And those were some of the questions I had, but Sunsoil had all the answers. With Sunsoil, you know what's in every bottle and exactly where it comes from. Very transparent. There's no second guessing because they only use ingredients you can understand and trust. Most of their products have just two ingredients, organic hemp and organic coconut oil. Transparency and quality control are what set Sunsoil apart from the rest, and they farm all their own hemp in the green mountains of Vermont, and they extract the CBD themselves. Then they test for quality and purity every step of the way. They never use pesticides, herbicides, or GMOs. Because Sunsoil does everything in-house and keeps their products simple, they can offer the highest quality CBD at unbeatable prices. And in fact, Sunsoil products are half the price of other ingestible CBD brands. Every Sunsoil product in the US is USDA organic certified, including their oil drops, soft gels, capsules, and coconut oil. Uh, I like to put a few of the oil drops in my morning coffee. Um, sometimes after a workout, I'll put it in my smoothie for protein with protein. And I often take a soft gel at night before getting some great sleep. So Sunsoil removes all the guesswork by making pure and simple CBD products at an unbeatable price. Get 30% off your first order by going to sunsoil.com slash daily beans. That's S-U-N-S-O-I-L dot com slash daily beans for 30% off your first order. All right, everybody, welcome back. And welcome back, former D.C. federal prosecutor Glenn Kirshner. Glenn, how are you holding up? Um, I'm hanging in there, you know, watching Donald Trump wipe his muddy feet on the Constitution. Other than that, you know, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> it's, um, it's harrowing. Um, and usually when the Orangan Fuhrer breaks the law, 
You and I can sit and rattle off potential legal remedies, you know, ask for documents, they'll refuse, subpoena the documents, they refuse, hold them in contempt, it goes to court, we litigate it to SCOTUS for a couple of years. Um, But what he did last night shook us to our core, and I personally am too disoriented to attempt to think about legal remedies, which is why I have called you. Can you help me out with that? I can try. Unfortunately, I don't know that I have any good news because, you know, when you look at the Constitution and you look uh, specifically at the Bill of Rights, right, the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, it, it, it doesn't really grant rights to the people. It's not a list of dues. It's not telling us we need to go out and practice religion or speak freely or assemble or bear arms. It's a list of don'ts, right? It says that the government cannot do certain things. They cannot establish a religion. The federal government cannot stop the people from freely exercising religion. The government cannot abridge, that is, mess with, to use a legal term, our free speech. It cannot mess with our free press. It cannot mess with our right to peaceably assemble and petition, basically, or or protest, petition the government for a redress of grievances. You know, it's a list of don'ts. And so the question that we're now facing today is we saw Donald Trump violate the First Amendment. He did one of those don'ts, something that is prohibited. He wanted to stroll from the White House across the street to a church he has never attended to hold up a Bible he has never read as a photo opportunity that he could then use as a campaign ad. And in order to accomplish that, because the people were exercising their First Amendment right to peaceably assemble, he had, apparently at the direction of his Attorney General Bill Barr, he had the people gassed, he had the people flashbanged, he had the people assaulted, He had the people moved out of the way so he could stroll across the street. That is a pure, inarguable violation of the First Amendment. What the heck do we do about it? The problem is, when you assault somebody, you walk up to somebody in the the street and you punch them in the face, we can arrest you, we can charge you, we can haul you into court, and the charge in D.C. would read something like, you know, on June 2nd, 2020 within the District of Columbia, Mr. Defendant Joe Smith assaulted Mr. Victim so-and-so by punching him in the face with a fist, blah, blah, blah. You can charge somebody with a crime. You can't charge somebody with violating the Constitution. I can't haul somebody into court as a former prosecutor and charge them with violating the First Amendment by interfering with the people's right to peaceably assemble. So that's where we find ourselves. We see the president who has violated the charter of our country, and he has violated the the sort of rules that govern how he is supposed to behave, what he can do and what he can't do. And there's really nothing we can do about it if our elected officials that are supposed to be representing our interests will not stand up to him and deploy some kind of a remedy like impeachment and removal. Um, So I, you know, I think Bill Barr is probably smart enough to be telling the president, you know what, don't worry so much about the Constitution because there's nothing that can be uh, done when you violate it. And that's and that is where we find ourselves. Yeah. And he put that ad out just hours later, the White House um, that he made uh, from that photo op. That was interesting. And then, of course, Tom Cotton, I think it was Tom Cotton. Uh, tweeted, look at this brave man. What president has come out of the White House to go to church? Like, um, like we need to be praising him for those actions. But the Washington Post reported today that apparently White House officials asked D.C., the District of Columbia, about taking over the local police department. And that's according to Mayor Muriel uh, Bowser's chief of staff. How does... Posse Comitatus and the Insurrection uh, Act apply in the District of Columbia. We know how it applies to states. Yeah, well, because the District of Columbia is not a state. It was chartered as a federal city to basically, you know, keep the federal government up and running. Um, it, I don't think the Insurrection Act necessarily applies, which is why, or 
Well, posse comitatus, I think, would apply anywhere because the military is strictly prohibited from being deployed to enforce civilian laws. And I think that's going to apply in the District District of Columbia as well. Um, but what I was really heartened to see was that Muriel Bowser, our mayor here in Washington, D.C., stood up on TV today and said, let, let me be clear. We, the Metropolitan Police Department, the, you know, the city law enforcement agency, did not participate in what you saw being done to the citizens um, you know, in order to allow the president to walk across the street to the church. And I think you know, that was, if not firing a shot across the bow, it was her wanting to be clear that what you saw was a violation of the Constitution and the deprivation of the people's rights. And we, the law enforcement um, arm of the D.C. city government, had nothing to do with that. So we're starting to see some politicians and some uh, police chiefs around the country push back mm. on the president. I mean, I love that the chief of police of Houston, mm. I think I, don't, I think he, he tweeted it or he said it in a speech, and he said, look, Mr. President, what you're saying is not productive. You're fanning the flames, so do me a favor. Shut your mouth. And mm. if we have more you know, police chiefs and governors and mayors and city council members across the country begin to push back on the tyrant in a way that the Republican leadership in Congress won't, maybe, maybe we start to have an impact. Do, do we know what force uh, did move the peaceful, did fire tear gas and the peaceful protesters did fire rubber bullets in there? Uh, do we know what force did that? Uh, I, the reporting I saw was the uh, U.S. Park Police. They have, you know, having practiced for nearly a quarter of a century in D.C., it is the strangest place when it comes to law enforcement because it really is parceled up um, among so many law enforcement agencies. And in 30 seconds, I can probably rattle most of them off. It's like FBI, ATF. DEA, U.S. Park Police, U.S. Capitol Police, U.S. Secret Service, Uniform Division, U.S. Marshal Service, U.S. Postal Police, Amtrak Police, U.S. Metro Police, Federal Protective Service. It goes on and on and on and on. Department of Veterans Affairs Police? Yeah, there, there you go. We have some. Smithsonian, <laughs> Smithsonian Police, right? Hey, hey, drop that painting. Um, <laughs> the heist, the heist police. <laughs> yeah, the heist, the heist, there you go. Um, it, so it really is a very strange Byzantine jurisdiction when it comes to which law enforcement agency has control over which little postal stamp parcel of land. The reporting I saw it was it was the U.S. Park Police, which does have jurisdiction, for example, over the the National Mall and the monuments and the area surrounding the White House, but concurrently with you know, in part the Secret Service, and it gets very complicated. Yeah, um, that'll be interesting to find out. And you're and you're right. There's just so many federal police organizations. It's uh, the, I imagine there are books and books and manuals and manuals of rules and regulations. Um, so I, I, it it was reported by Washington Post that it was actually Bill Barr that gave the order to that whatever the force was with the Park Police to clear this to clear Lafayette Park, right? Yeah, yeah, which I, you know, it, it should be a chargeable crime even if technically it's not because the person who is kind of the, you know, number one law enforcement guy in the country is running roughshod over the constitutional rights of the people. And, uh, you know, there's just a, a kind of a special place in hell for an attorney general who would, you know, again, I, I would like to even get more graphic, and I, I, don't, I try not to curse even on your program, but who's, you know, rubbing, he's rubbing his, his muddy feet on the Constitution to accomplish something that a criminal president wants accomplished. You know, it's, again, if this was a Hollywood script, it would be rejected as being just way, way too incredible. Mm. So uh, legal remedies for... Anybody like President Bill Barr, 
Uh, apparently, Hope Hicks had something to do with this that I, I read somewhere in public reporting. She had something to do with this. The beautiful, lovely Hope Hicks. Um, I thought for sure it was a Stephen Miller joint, honestly, or it sounded it sounded Pompeo-esque with its religious undertones. Um, yeah. Uh, just really because they control two and a half branches of the three branches of government, there's really, we just have to vote and we just have to speak out and amplify voices. I mean, I, I don't, I just don't know what else we can do at this point. It's a very unsatisfying answer that there may, there may be nothing concretely we can do at this moment. I was heartened to see the religious community uh, speak out against this really crass um, move by Trump. They all know He's not a religious man. And, you know, for him to walk across to a church and hold up a Bible, um, even the religious community is speaking out and saying, you know, that's it's it's blasphemy. Those are words that the religious leaders are using. So the good news is I think his sort of, you know, concentric circles of support are shrinking and shrinking and shrinking every day. And I maintain that he loses uh, supporters every day, and he doesn't gain a single supporter. So I think he is sealing his own fate come November, and that's what we all have to hang on for. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. He's the kind of guy who, you know, might have a, a Bible cover on his Jugs magazine so that it looks like he's <laughs> doing something uh, righteous. But it it's, yeah, it was, it was very, it was heartening to hear... Um, to hear the religious leaders, uh, Catholic diocese where he visited uh, today, and of course the Episcopal Church, uh, Bishop, um, uh, what was her name, Marianne Edgar Buddy? I um, that that sounds right. Something she she was amazing to listen to. Um, so that that is that condemnation. I think uh, I I just. And then, of course, you know, he calls Putin, um, which we learned from. And this is what gets me, right? He's in the bunker, hiding, scared, sucking his thumb, turns the lights off in the White House, probably because he thinks if they can't see him, he can't. If he can't see them, they can't see him. Yeah. Um, you know, he thinks B-52s are actually invisible. Um, then, you know, here we are, uh, or excuse me, stealth fighters, not B-52s. What am I thinking of? I just love the band. Uh so, you know, here he is, and then calling Putin from the underground bunker, hunk, hunkered down there, and and we're supposed to believe they talked about oil markets, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just mm-hmm. c- called him up in the middle of D.C. burning, and the, the, the lights in the White House being shut off, which he condemned Obama for, by the way, in 2014, 2015. Yeah, I mean, the, the man is a Russian agent. I mean, I shouldn't say agent, but he's an unwitting Russian asset. asset um, yeah. I don't know, witting, unwitting, I don't know what you want to call him, but... You know, it, it's, it couldn't be more transparent that everything really does lead to Putin and to Russia. We all know it. And I look forward to January when the Biden administration, I'm hoping, begins to uh, disclose to the public everything that is um, is disclosable. Uh, for example, the substance of all these calls he had with Putin. And, you know, hopefully by then, um, Trump is indicted and is in custody. And um, I'm hoping that's the way this movie ends, because that would be the only happy ending for the American people would be Donald Trump being held accountable for what he has done to our country and our people for for the last three and a half years. Agreed. Uh, Everybody vote. Call your local registrar. Make sure you can uh, do a mail-in ballot. Make sure you're registered. Uh, this is this is the way out. And we have to, you know, we say it time and again, Glenn, we have to vote in numbers too big to manipulate because they are manipulating them. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, former federal prosecutor from uh, D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office for decades of experience and uh, one of my personal friends, Glenn Kirshner. Thank you very much for speaking with us today. Thank, thank you. Great talking with you. All right, everybody, stick around after this break. We will be bringing you the good news. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, this is AG. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard me talk about my Helix mattress and how amazing it is. You've heard Jordan talk about hers, like sleeping on a cloud. Mandy has raved about hers. Joelle, everybody loves their Helix mattress. So I'm excited to share news that Helix has gone beyond the bedroom and started making beautiful, comfortable furniture for your living room. They just launched a new company called Allform, and they're making premium, customizable sofas and chairs shipped right to your door. 
And what makes all forms so cool is they make it easy to customize a sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You get to pick the color of your fabric, the type of fabric, which is, by the way, spill stain and scratch resistant, so it's great for pod pets. You get to pick the color of the legs, the sofa size, the configuration, so you can make sure it's perfect for you and your home. They've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight-seat sectional. Uh, so there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and add on if you want to change your all-form sofa and have it grow or shrink as you grow or shrink. Uh, and, you know, you move and change with the times. Um, I've so many times have tried to move a customizable sofa and it just didn't fit in the new place or it, was, it wasn't big enough. And this allows you to do that. All-form sofas are delivered directly to your home with fast, free shipping by the Postal Service. Um, in the past, if you wanted to order a sofa, it could take weeks or months to, to make and customize, and, and then they would have to call a freight company, and you'd have to stay at home for a 10-hour window to accept the delivery. Then you'd have to pay somebody to come and assemble it. But all form just takes three to seven days to arrive in the mail, and you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes. No tools needed. Um, I picked out an all-form three-seater sofa and a chaise lounge in a whiskey-colored leather with a walnut-leg finish. It matches my decor perfectly, good for the mid-century stuff. It's gorgeous, modern, very, very comfortable. Um, it, and, it, and if you are like worried about getting furniture without trying out in the store, don't be. Um, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months, and if you don't love it, but you will, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund, no questions asked. They have a forever warranty as well, literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners. That's allform, A-L-L-F-O-R-M dot com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, it's time for some good news. Well, we're blown on good news is on the way. And joining me today for the good news is Amanda Reader. Amanda, how are you? I'm doing uh, okay, but I also have not stopped watching the news in a couple of days. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, okay is the right word. It's, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's really, it's really crazy out there. Yeah, and, we're, you know, we're observing Blackout Tuesday. We, I talked to, uh, about that earlier in the show. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm only retweeting Black Voices on social media. I'm not, my voice is... I'm not putting my voice out there today, mm -hmm. but um, just haven't been able to peel myself away from the news. However, I am very heartened by it seems like the coverage seems to be shifting a little bit. In the, in the beginning, they were just covering fires and looting mm -hmm. and violence and riots and shit. Mm -hmm. And today it seems like they're really focusing on large, huge peaceful marches. Yeah. And and I, I'm, appre I'm appreciating mm -hmm. that. And, and also... It's global. They're showing Britain, New Zealand, like it's global, and I'm I'm loving that, and I hope that that trend continues. Yeah. Um, a couple of quick good news stories for you uh, before we get to our listener yeah. good news. San Diego, San Diego has ended its use of carotid restraint, which is basically you know a chokehold, um, and that's just, you know, because of what's going on right now in the country. The Minnesota Department of Human Rights has, ch has charged uh, the Minneapolis Police Department with a civil rights violation, and they will be investigating the last decade of Minneapolis police actions. That's according to Governor Tim Waltz. Wow. Um, the FBI has finally opened an investigation into the death of Breonna Taylor. That took, a, that took far too long, yeah. but they have opened that investigation. Um, six Atlanta cops have had arrest warrants issued for them for their treatment of uh, people during these protests. And um, this is from this is breaking just not too long ago. Mm -hmm. The House Judiciary Committee has announced they are going to hold Bill Barr accountable by introducing legislation to cut funding against his office by 50 million dollars. Wow. And there will be hearings with the Department of Just Justice whistleblowers and former DOJ officials in the coming weeks. Now, of course, the Republicans aren't going to pass that in the Senate, mm -hmm. but we will it. They'll have to vote no on it. Mm -hmm. And um they're going to have hearings with Department of Justice whistleblowers. So that's good. And finally, uh, this is great. Tiffany Trump is participating in Blackout Tuesday on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tiffany. Uh, oh, God. Uh, I feel like she doesn't like her daddy. <laughs> no, and I hope she can break away, you know, break away, be vocal. and Oh, 
She just graduated from law school. Come on, Tiffany. Um, Trump put out a Trump put out a a tweet. So proud, graduated from law school, Tiffany Trump. I'm like, yeah, she's not going to defend you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to (laughs) happen. She might end up on the other side. As a matter of fact, she could end up working at the Department of Fucking Justice. (laughs) Then where you be, huh? God, amazing. That would be that would be like the ultimate like nepotistic schadenfreude on the, the planet that 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 <laughs> nepotistic schadenfreude that'll be the name of her memoir <laughs> um <laughs> that's the name of our episode oh, today I love that. <laughs> yeah there is there's still good news happening um and are you ready to jump into it yeah let's hear what our listeners have sent in i'm excited about this we need it today we really do um and every day for the last few months <laughs> um So the first one is from Anonymous, and they say Fayetteville, North Carolina police have honored protesters by taking a knee. And then there's a link to uh, an article there, and it said, this had me in tears, and as a North Carolinian, it really made me proud of these cops and these protesters. P.S. I will be submitting my chocolate-related COVID confession coming soon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, awesome. Awesome. Don't forget, uh, Quarantine Confessions debuts this Saturday. Mm -hmm. Very excited about that. Uh, keep sending in your confessions. Uh, we need we need as many as possible. Um, and don't forget, you can do it anonymously. So, um, all right. The next one is from someone who calls themselves a naughty mouse. Um, and they said, uh, because of you, all of you, listeners included, I went and bought uh, nice bread and Trader Joe's cookie butter. It has been several years since I have had it, and so tonight it shall be my dinner. This was under good news, but it's more of, it's more of a confession, but I guess that's good news, too. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> it, I think it's very good news, yeah. <laughs> um, this is from Juju, and Juju says, My good news is that Houston Police Chief Art... Acevedo, I think that's how you say that, formerly Austin police chief, told Trump to shut his mouth. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. He has a lot of great stuff to say in the interview linked below. Uh, And it says, we knew him here in Austin as a man who cared deeply about his officers and the citizens he served. Uh, Houston, his officers, and the citizens he protects are so lucky to have him. Mm. Yeah, I I, I watched that uh, on Twitter. I watched his... um what he had to say about Trump. It was really, it was really pretty incredible. Now, Houston, uh, I haven't been to Texas at all, but isn't Houston one of the most diverse cities in the country? It's really, really diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the hometown of George Floyd. I'd have to double check that and fact check myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's extremely diverse. Yeah. And it's one of the fastest growing cities in the country. Yeah, I've been learning a lot about Houston through actually, weirdly enough, cooking shows. I've I've, I've really enjoyed. Um, uh, there's a handful of cooking shows or like cooking documentary or food documentary shows that I've seen that have been set in Houston, and I've been like, wow, what a really diverse food scene. Um, yeah. uh, I can't wait to travel and eat food again. Um, anyway, back to the news at hand. Uh, this is from Vicky. Vicky says, good news. I listen to the Daily Beans every morning. Yay. That's so nice. But I have to leave for work by seven, so I don't have uh, time for the whole show. I listen to the news. <laughs> I listen to the news part, and then I wait until I get home for the good news, and it always makes me feel better about my bad day. Aw. <laughs> That's a good way to break it up. That's why we put it at the end, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, this show was supposed to be 36 minutes long. Um, when we started it and I, we can't seem to keep it under an hour and it's daily. And so that's just how much news there is. So every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she finishes off and says, uh, you Jordan and Mandy are what I wait for when the show drops a little after 6am where I am. And so even though I have to wait for the happy part, um, I'm so grateful for all you do and all you have done with Molly Sherot and the daily beans. I'm so looking forward to your new quarantine confession show. Yay. Awesome. All right. Um, thank you. We, we've had a couple really similar uh, uh, good news stories submitted from people in Minneapolis over the last few days about helping out, but I thought this was also worth sharing just because it's so nice that people are – it's so nice to have this volume of good news coming out of Minneapolis, where you know, wh- which kicked off everything um, this week. So for Melanie, good more good news from Minneapolis. Um, as a rule, we don't like to get noticed here, and we certainly don't like it when we're uh, uh, showing our drawers, <laughs> but I just want to share what I love about my city. On Sunday morning, I went to drop off a bag of groceries for those hit hard in the middle of a food desert in the middle of a pandemic. As I drove towards the worst of the damage, I passed dozens of people walking towards Lake Street with shovels and brooms. Pink hair, blue hair, no hair, and lots of tattoos. (laughs) Um, 
As I mm. <laughs> as I got within 10 blocks of the middle school that was taking donations, traffic got very dense. It was state fair levels of congestion, but there wasn't a single horn honked, and folks stopped their cars to let pedestrians pass. If you hit an intersection, you check to see who was waiting the longest instead of who had the right of way. Uh, there was there was a lot of hand waving and saying, "No, you go ahead." <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's very Midwest. Yeah. That's so Minnesota. I, I experienced that firsthand when I was in Minneapolis, St. <laughs> Paul. Everyone is so kind and just so accommodating. Um, I can see it. I can see it. No, you go. No, you. No, you. <laughs> you go. Okay. <laughs> it's a little bit like that where I'm from too, in Nova Scotia. So I feel you. Um, it says, uh, and then and then they said Sanford Middle School has had requested 85 bags of groceries to help the community, but they received thousands. Um, that's so amazing. Uh, there are so many stories like this. Uh, I had a hard time choosing the best one. Uh, uh, we are hurting here, but there we, we are a very strong community and we are lifting each other up. Thank you for the community you have created with the Daily Beans. It's part of my morning routine, which also includes coffee and choreography. But perhaps that's a better topic for quarantine confessions. <laughs> what kind of choreography? <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, thank you so much for sending that in, Melanie. That's so nice. Um, yeah. This next one here is from uh, from someone in the UK who uh, chose to remain anonymous. It's also so cool how we just have listeners from all over the world, especially someone who has myself lived overseas. It's so nice to to know that I'm connecting with people who are back in the UK where I where I lived for a long time. So, um, uh, hello, you lovely ladies. Thank you so much for all you do. I live in the UK. I have cerebral palsy, and I work at my local hospital as an outpatient appointments booker. Due to my job being patient-facing and my cerebral palsy placing me on the at-risk list for COVID, the hospital has asked me to stay home unless it's for essential health-related reasons at least until the end of June. I am also very lucky that I'm getting paid throughout this. My boss and I have been keeping in touch throughout all of this, and she has been great at checking how my mental health has been going as I have depression as well as cerebral palsy. Today, I had to go to the doctor's office for a routine blood test, and this is the first time I've left the house since the beginning of March. Uh, a nurse met me at the side of the entrance of the clinic in full PPE, and after checking my details and temperature, she asked if I would like to have my blood taken in the garden, as it's a lovely day and COVID hates sunlight. So I said yes. So the nurse and I sat in the garden and did my bloods and a mental health check. It was lovely. When I got home, there was a parcel from my boss. Inside was a cuddly little stuffed lion with, with a tag around his neck, which says, remember you are strong as a lion and this too shall pass. Today made me realize that it's really okay not to be okay and to take things one step at a time right now. Oh. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is okay to not be okay. Thank you for the work that you do. Um, my very first job with the federal government 11, 12 years ago was booking outpatient appointments. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a hard work. It's a it it, it really is. Mm-hmm. And I it just to I just hope that you know you when you go home you realize how many people you've helped like in a single day and that, that happens every single day. And, and, you know, you're on now, especially during COVID, you're on the front lines mm-hmm. and just thank you so much for, and what a, how, how great for just I know. the opportunity and, and for them to recognize those things. It's just, that's, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. And hang in there. I know it's a, it's a really lonely time to be stuck at home all the time. I'm, you know, it's. I think for for most of us, this is the most we've ever stayed home in our whole lives. And for some of us, it's much more extreme than others, depending on risk and health and stuff. So just hang in there. And I'm so happy that your boss appreciates you. Um, this next one is a little bit light, more lighthearted. This is from Steph. And Steph said, uh, I have been using this di- time during quarantine to learn a new language. I have taken Spanish lessons one hour per day uh, during this entire time. It's a nice distraction. and gives me something to do and makes me feel more productive. So thank you for all that you do. That is rad. That is very productive. Congratulations. That's very good. That's very Groundhog Day. You know how he like finally after he you know realizes he's stuck in the same time loop, he starts teaching himself piano and poetry <laughs> yes. and and uh, uh. <laughs> how to you know. Uh, that's just awesome. That's so great. And and what a good skill. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, God, an hour every day since this started. You, it's probably that's probably amazing. Pretty conversational at this point that's so cool i'm speaking of languages i feel like i'm losing my second language and i like really want to get 
this is this is actually inspiring me to to download Duolingo and start trying to, you know, regain my second language. I spent like a decade in school learning French in in a French immersion program, and then I lived in Montreal, and I like am I'm losing my French so much from from having not lived near French Canada in so long. So if any of our listeners speak French. Let me know, like tweet at me, um, at Mandy underscore reader, because I need some friends who speak French, actually. <laughs> I'm like kind of lost touch with a lot of my French speaking friends, and I would love to speak French with people. So anyway, uh, Neat. yes, speaking of Canada, our next uh, con- our next good news story is actually from Canada. Um, and, I, and I just love how many fucking amazingly smart, talented people who listen to us Um and how many people in the legal profession listen to us? And I think that speaks to how you describe things and how you tell the news, AG. Um, so this one's from Melissa. And she said, after years of schooling and a year of articles, I became a lawyer. And I was called to the bar in British Columbia, Canada on Friday, March 13th, 2020, which turned out to be one of the last days that the courts were open before COVID fully swept the country and shut everything down. While I can't say that all of Canada is out of the woods yet, British Columbia has been opening up gradually, and along with the simple things like enjoying a drink on the patio with my husband, in two weeks I will be second chair's defense counsel for my first trial with my favorite mentor. I will finally be getting to do direct and cross-examination in a courtroom, in my robes, no wig because it's Canada and those wigs are gross. (laughs) 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 I can't thank your team enough for keeping me informed of the goings-on in the United States and for giving me a laugh along the way. Stay healthy and stay hopeful. Melissa. Yay. Yay. Thanks so much, everyone, for sending in your good news. Please keep sending in your good news. Please keep sending in your quarantine confessions. Um, you can find our submission form for good news and quarantine confessions on our Twitter page and also on our contact page on our website. If you can't find it, tweet at us or send us an email and we'll send it to you. You can submit anonymously or not anonymously, whatever you'd like. But yeah, uh, and especially right now, the good news related to the rapid changes that are happening both with COVID and with these protests, we would really love to hear more stories from people who are you know, on the ground or or think that there's a story that isn't getting the light that it should. So, um, yeah. I think that's all the good news from us today. Very, very awesome. Um, it just makes me feel so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sets me up to have a nice, a nice evening. So gets you ready for your animal crossing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> if I can peel myself away from the news for long enough, I, I really should, um, try to limit that it's so stressful it's really it it really is um and you know i wanted to something that's been really really helping me the last few days has been meditation um i don't think that it's a i don't think it's like healthy to try to ignore how you feel right now or or try to like shove it away or try to like focus on the positive i think that it's actually the meditation has been helping me to like sit with how angry i am and process that and like try to get enough clarity to figure out like a next step that i could take to help myself feel less impotent like something I can do from home or, you know, like it just helps to calm my nervous system enough to make me feel like I'm, I can take a little action, you know? So, um, yeah, don't, I don't think mindfulness or meditation is a practice, which is going to help you focus on everything being fine, but rather a practice to help you actually sit with how you feel and then do something about it. So that's my little hippie rant for today, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Do what you can. Um, and thanks for what you do. Yeah. That's have a have a wonderful evening. It was great chatting with you. Yeah, you too. Uh hang in there. We'll talk again tomorrow. Um, or the next day. It depends on how Jordan's Jordan had some technical difficulties today. We'll figure it out. Um, but um thank you for sharing those good news mm-hmm. stories and, and and um it's just uh it just helps so much. Really so does. everyone Please. Yeah, it does. Keep, keep sending them in. And thank you for sharing with us. And every, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. And take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Amanda Reader. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reader. Fact checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn and Amanda Reader. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reader with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.